Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Chris assisting me today. We are the Commandment Keepers Church. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. The title of today's lesson will be Strength is Found in Weakness. Strength is Found in Weakness, brothers and sisters. Today we will highlight the contrast in kingdoms. Brothers and sisters, in Christ's kingdom, strength is actually found in weakness. The quickest way up is getting down. So today we'll learn one of the core principles in what? In spiritual progression. Brothers and sisters, strength is found in weakness. We're going to go to Isaiah, the second chapter. We're going to have Brother Chris read the fifth verse. Please follow us there, brothers and sisters. Isaiah. 2 verse 5 O house of Jacob come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord Now brothers and sisters examine the text closely because the term walk is indicative of what a progression could you read that again brother Verse 5 O house of Jacob come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord Let us do what brother let us walk in the light of the Lord Now look at that Brothers and sisters, the author is suggesting that this should be a what? A progressive life. Brothers and sisters, this walking in the light is not optional, but necessary for salvation. So all throughout the manuscript, brothers and sisters, you will see walk in the light, walk in the light, walk in the light. You'll find that particular verbiage littered throughout the literature, brothers and sisters. Walk in the light. It's speaking of progression. So according to the text, lack of progression would be considered what? Negligence. Brothers and sisters, walk in the light. Not stand in the light, right? So we're going to do that today, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Psalms. Chapter 103, verse 7. To do what? To show you what that progression looks like. Let's go to Psalms, uh, chapter 103, verse 7. We'll have Brother Chris just read a little bit louder. Follow us there, brothers and sisters. Psalms 103, verse 7. What's that say, brother? He made known his ways unto Moses. Unto who, brother? Unto Moses. His acts unto the children of Israel. Now look at that, because the psalmist gives light to what the progressive walk looks like. Brothers and sisters, I need you to closely examine the contrasting elements of the text. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 7. He made known his ways unto Moses. What did he do? He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. Now look at the contrasting elements. See, because one is far more profound than the other. One is far more valuable than the other. Brothers and sisters, the outward acts of the Most High are easily ascertained, but to understand his ways is more difficult. When it says his ways, it's his principles, brothers and sisters. So according to the text, Moses understood the eternal principles that regulate the Most High's operations with man. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 7, he made known his ways unto Moses. His acts unto the children of Israel. Brothers and sisters, examine the difference between the leader and those being led. Do you see that? See, so the leader needs to know his ways, his principles. Those who are being led 
just know his acts. They know what? They know he, Christ died on the cross. They know the Most High split the Red Sea. They know the Most High rained down manna. See? So only those able to ascertain his principles can be used in leadership. This is what we're showing you. This is what a progressive walk looks like, brothers and sisters. It begin, all people begin with learning his acts. We all learn that. But you must progress. You must grow to understand his ways, his principles, brothers and sisters. So that is the progressive walk. We all begin with the acts. Once you continue to learn, you're, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you begin to comprehend his principles, brothers and sisters, why he does what he does. We understand what he did, but why did he do it? That is the next level for each and every one of you. Let's go to John 12 and 24, because we're going to talk about one of those principles or ways. Follow us to the gospel, please, brothers and sisters. We're going to John chapter 12, verse 24. John 12, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you. What did he say? Except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. Read that part again, brother. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, and what? It abideth alone. At, excuse me. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Now, look at this closely, brothers and sisters, because here Christ gives profound insight into the reality of what? Spiritual regeneration. According to the text, before something can multiply, it must first die. Do you see that? Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. If the wheat fall, if, it, if the wheat does not fall and die, what happens? Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. It does what, brother? It abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Look at that. <laughs> See, so a seed becomes fruitful only subsequent to its outer shell being broken. Brothers and sisters, he's telling you, I, you can keep a seed in a bag in your pocket all day and it'll only be one seed. But once that seed goes into the ground, it dies. That outer shell is, is crushed, brothers and sisters. Now you have all the, you know, everything that came from this one seed. From one seed, you get an entire apple tree with hundreds of apples, brothers and sisters. So the text is teaching us the principle of what? Of brokenness. Brothers and sisters, death in this context is analogous with being broken. He's saying, listen, in order for you to be multiplied or to be fruitful, you must be broken here, brothers and sisters. Do you see this? Because this is one of the principles that Moses understood. And we're going to get the we're going to get the understanding, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, please, brother. John 12, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. And do what? And die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. See, so look at that, brothers and sisters. The principle is that unless something dies or is broken, it cannot multiply. And we're going to show you that Christ understood this and he taught us this 
in his what? In one of his, in, uh, in, 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 well, actually, this particular story that we're getting ready to go to is throughout all four Gospels. And that was purpose, too. Let us show you that Christ understood the principle of brokenness, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Luke 9 and 14. Let's stay in the Gospel. Look at this closely, please. We're going to Luke 9 and 14. We'll read 14 through 17. Luke 9 verse 14. For they were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, Make them sit down by fifties in a company. And they did so, and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them, and brake, and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. And they did eat. And they what? And they did eat, and were all filled. And there was taken up of fragments that remained to them twelve baskets. Now, brothers and sisters, the multiplication of the loaves and fishes is full of hidden meanings. We're going to read through that again because, brothers and sisters, why did they give him the loaves and the fish? Because they needed to multiply it. What did he do? Let's go back up. Let's go back to 14. We'll have Brother Chris read Luke 9 and 14. Luke. 9 verse 14 For they were about 5,000 men How many men was it? 5,000 men And he said to his disciples Make them sit down by fifties in a company Continue And they did so And made them all sit down Now listen closely brothers and sisters Then he took the five loaves and the two fishes And looking up to heaven He blessed them And break and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. Brothers and sisters, did you catch that? When the young boy's five loaves were broken, they were supernaturally multiplied and became sufficient to feed a multitude. Do you see that, brothers and sisters? The bread and fish can excuse me, the bread and fish can only be used to its full potential when it's broken. It cannot be shared if it's whole. So the multiplication came in the breaking it, brothers and sisters. He's shown us this clearly. He was able to feed 5,000 through breaking this fish, brothers and sisters, and these loaves, excuse me. See, so here we learn that there's a correlation between brokenness and increase, brothers and sisters. What did, what did Christ say? Unless a grain of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. It's the same principle here, brothers and sisters, and that, and that principle is that being fruitful, brothers and sisters, or multiplying, increase comes from dying or from brokenness, brothers and sisters. That's the principle. The, so they gave him the loaves and the fish. He prayed over it, and then he broke it, and he fed, and he broke, and he fed, and he broke, and he fed, and he continued to break it, brothers and sisters. So this is critical here because the Most High is teaching us one of his principles. And that principle is multiplication through brokenness, brothers and sisters. Let us show you. Let's go to Psalms 34 and 18. We're going to the Old Testament now. Psalms, the 34th chapter. We'll have Brother Chris read verse 18. Psalms 34 verse 18. What's that say, brother? The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, 
and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Now, a contrite spirit. Now, look at it closely, brothers and sisters, because brokenhearted refers to the heaviest kind of affliction and trouble. I want you to look at this, because a broken heart in this text is a tender heart. This is the spirit which God approves of. Can you read 18 and 19 again, brother? Verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. Now look at that. According to the psalmist, brokenness is a state that attracts the presence of the Most High God. It said the Lord is nigh or close to them of a broken heart. And saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Now here it is. According to the text, brothers and sisters, the Most High is distant from someone who's not broken. That's what the text is telling us. Read the next scripture, please, brother. Verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Look at that. The Most High uses affliction to humble us, to break us, and make us usable. Do you see that, brothers and sisters? Why is he saying many are the afflictions of the righteous? <laughs> Why didn't he say the wicked, brothers and sisters? Why didn't he say the wicked? We're going to show you why. Read 18 one more time, brother. Psalms 34, verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. See, so brothers and sisters, this brokenness he uses to increase our willingness to yield. That's why he's saying many are the afflictions of the righteous. So brokenness of heart and contrition of spirit provides the sadness needed to mold you, brothers and sisters. Do you see that? Now, a lot of people don't understand this principle. They don't understand why the Most High is allowing certain things to take place. Understand this is part of the walk, brothers and sisters. This is actually the beginning of the walk, brothers and sisters. Let us show you that the Most High wants a broken heart. He wants a broken person, brothers and sisters. Why? Because when you're broken, you allow him to mold. Then you allow him to direct because you've, you've, he's weakened your will now. He's weakened your will to yield now, brothers and sisters. Let us show you. Because remember, the text said he is nigh to the broken heart. He saved those of a contrite spirit, right? Let's go to Psalms 138 and 6. Look at this precept, brothers and sisters. Psalms 138, verse 6. Psalms 138, verse 6. What's that say, brother? Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. He, the proud what, brother? But the proud he knoweth afar off. Now look at that. Prideful people are marked as persons to be kept at a distance, brothers and sisters. So according to the text, a step in humility is a step closer to God. A step in pride is a step away from God, brothers and sisters. Brother Chris is going to read that one more time for us. Psalms 138, verse 6. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar off. Look at that, brothers and sisters. According to the psalmist, the distance between you and him is your submission. Brothers and sisters, we have, we have no extensive usefulness until we extinguish our pride, according to God. 
So we have to make a destiny decision to humble ourselves. Look at this, brothers and sisters. The text before said he's nigh unto the brokenhearted, right? This text says he knoweth the proud afar off. So he's close to broken people, but distances himself from people who are proud. Here it is. Well, I think we're getting somewhere. I think we're getting somewhere, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Psalms 51 and 17, brothers and sisters. Follow us to Psalms 51 and 17. Psalms 51 verse 17. What's that say, brother? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Are a what? Are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Because the psalmist reminds us that the only path to salvation is a broken heart and a humble spirit. Brothers and sisters. A broken spirit is when all idea of our own importance is gone. Do you see that? <laughs> see, he said the sacrifice that the Most High wants is a broken spirit. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Now, right there, brothers and sisters, I need you to pull up that word contrite so you know what it means in the Hebrew. Open up your Strong's Concordance, brothers and sisters. Open up your Strong's Concordance for us. And go to Psalms 51 and 17 and look at that word contrite. We have it here. Contrite is the Hebrew number 1794. H1794. We're going to go to it. Contrite means to crush, to be crushed, brothers and sisters. That's what contrite means. So according to the text, he said the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit in a crushed heart. Oh God, thou will not despise. Hmm. Have you ever heard that before, brothers and sisters? Have you ever heard that before? I hope you pulled that up in the Hebrew, brothers and sisters. Go to Google and type in uh, Psalms 51 and 17, Strong's, and then go to that word contrite. Because that word contrite means crushed. So he wants you to be crushed. Brothers and sisters, do you see that? Read that one more time, please, brother. Psalms 51, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou will not despise. Now, why would the Most High say he wants someone who's crushed? Why? Because an emotional crushing is an invitation to the Most High. See, a broken heart is what? Is diametrically opposed to what? A hard heart. <laughs> you see now? See, a broken heart is the, is the opposite of a hard heart. So your spiritual progression begins after you've been broken and crushed, according to the text, brothers and sisters. You must crush the grape to make the wine. You must crush the olive to make the oil. That's the only way it works. <laughs> That's the only way, brothers and sisters. This is God's principle. He is close. He needs you to be broken, crushed, because why? That weakens you. That that weakens your will to yield, brothers and sisters. If you ever been brought low, if you ever been crushed, the Most High is having all this stuff go on. There's a reason for that. 
He has to bring you all the way low. Why? Because you can't be fruitful until you're crushed. You can't be fruitful until you're dead. Your will is dead. You see that, brothers and sisters? The sacrifices of God is a broken spirit, a crushed heart. Oh, God will not despise. See, brothers and sisters, so especially when you first coming into this truth or, or you're going through certain things, brothers and sisters, understand the most high is allowing this to happen on purpose. Sometimes the most high is doing it. It's his hand. Sometimes he uses your hand. So if the most high see that you're operating in a fashion in which you're getting ready to bring yourself to the dust, you're getting ready to be crushed and stomped on, he'll allow that. But other times he will, he will, you know, start dealing with situations to bring you low on purpose, brothers and sisters, on purpose. And we're going to show you why. Let's go to Psalms 83 and 16, brother Chris. Psalms, the 83rd chapter, the 16th verse. This is the precept. Psalms 83, verse 16. What's that say, brother? Fill their faces with shame. With what? With shame, that they may seek thy name, O Lord. Why? Let them be confounded and troubled forever. No, no, read 16, brother. Verse 16. Fill their faces with shame. That they may seek thy name, O Lord. That they may what, brother? That they may seek thy name, O Lord. Now look at that. According to the psalmist, shame can lead to salvation. So the Most High is willing to receive those who are ashamed of themselves, brothers and sisters. It is the shame we experience that drives us to him and breaks our self-confidence. That's what he's, that's the whole principle right there. As long as you're confident in yourself, you're not dependent on him. See that, brothers and sisters? Read that one more time, please, brother. Psalms 83, verse 16. Fill their faces with shame. Why? That they may seek thy name, O Lord. See? So if you have not been broken, you're unserviceable. Brothers and sisters, it is that brokenness, that crushing that eliminates our self-will. Brothers and sisters, the shame and disappointment of unaccomplished hopes makes us moldable. Do you see this, brothers and sisters? This is, this is the most high's principle. Remember, he said, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Because nobody in their right mind would think... <laughs> You know, that the Most High is doing this or allowing this to bring me low for the future. Once you've been brought down to a certain level, brothers and sisters, your obedience comes easy. Because you've been so low. He knows this. He created you and I, so he knows exactly what to do. This is the process, brothers and sisters. Let us show you. It says, fill their faces with shame. That they may seek thy name. So according to the text, shame can drive you towards God, right? Let's go to Baruch 2 and 18 in the Apocrypha, brothers and sisters. We're at Baruch, the second chapter. We're going to have Brother Chris read the 18th verse. Baruch 2 verse 18. But the soul that is greatly vexed, which goeth stooping and feeble... 
and the eyes that fail, and the hungry soul will give thee praise and righteousness. Will give him. Will give thee praise and righteousness, O Lord. Look at that. See? So Baruch here highlights the eventual end of our continual vexation, brothers and sisters. And now we can ascertain God's motive behind the desire for us to be broken and crushed. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 18. But the soul that is greatly vexed, which goeth stooping and feeble, and the eyes that fail, and the hungry soul, will give thee praise and righteousness, O Lord. See, so when we're truly broken, we become easily satisfied. He knows this, brothers and sisters. When you haven't been broken, your love costs too much for the most high to pay. This is for all of us, brothers and sisters. Every one of us who the Most High is going to use, the first step is for you to be broken. Because the Most High has no use for an unbroken man or woman. When you deal with people, especially believers, they'll tell you when God brought them so low and how much they learned and how much they grew and how obedient they were, are, you know, subsequent to being brought so low. And they always look at it as a time that changed their life forever and they would never they would never exchange that. And there's a reason for it. Read that one more time, please, brother. Baruch 2, verse 18. But the soul that is greatly vexed, which goeth stooping and feeble, and the eyes that fail, and the hungry soul, will give thee praise and righteousness, O Lord. See? So now we're learning, brothers and sisters, the Most High needs us to be broken. He needs us to be crushed. Why? Because... The, the grape must be crushed in order to bring forth the wine. See? The olive must be crushed in order to bring forth the oil. You see that, brothers and sisters? Something must be broken in order for it to multiply. If I have a glass cup right here and I drop that, gra that glass cup, right, and it breaks, doesn't it multiply? Don't you have now many pieces? See? Christ understood this. Brothers and sisters, Moses understood his ways. Israel understood his acts. Right now, you're learning his ways. Right now, you're learning his ways, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Proverbs. We're going to have Brother Chris read Proverbs 27 and 7. Proverbs 27, verse 7. The fool soul loatheth and an honeycomb. But to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 7. The fool soul loatheth and honeycomb. But to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. <laughs> See? So the author uses a physical fact regarding bodily hungry, uh, hunger as a metaphor of a higher truth. It's telling you that when you are full of self-confidence, you can't recognize a good thing. Here it is. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 7. The fool's soul loatheth and honeycomb. So a brother who's full doesn't even want a honeycomb, which is something sweet. But to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. See? So look at that. It's only when we have been emotionally emptied that we're willing to yield. Brothers and sisters, when you've been broken, your love becomes less expensive. You see that, brothers and sisters? <laughs> He said, listen, when you're full, you don't even want a honeycomb. You don't even want what's sweet. But when you're hungry, 
even the bitter things taste sweet to you. He knows this, brothers and sisters. That's why he put it in the literature. He knows how you respond to that, brothers and sisters. It's just like a brother who haven't eaten nothing in a whole week. This brother don't like cheese. But if somebody give him some cheese after a week, he's going to treat it like it's a steak. That's the principle we're learning here. A full soul, that means what? A brother or a sister who's full of self-confidence, full of themselves, believing they got it, they can do They can't even recognize the honeycomb, which is a good thing. But to the hungry soul, even the bitter things are sweet. See that, brothers and sisters? Let's go to Lamentations, Brother Chris. Follow us to Lamentations, brothers and sisters. Chapter 3, verse 17 through 20. Lamentations 3, verse 17. Listen closely, brothers and sisters, please. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. Look at that. When a person has truly been broken, their strength to be self-willed diminishes greatly. Brothers and sisters. Okay? Let's read those scriptures again, brother, starting at verse 17. Lamentations 3, verse 17. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. So God has removed peace. I forgot prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. So now this brother have no strength, no self-will. Remembering mine affliction and my misery. What did he do? Remembering mine affliction and my misery. The wormwood and the gall. My soul hath them still in remembrance. Read that part again, brother. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. And, and is what? And is humbled in me. Look at that. See? So our humiliation and emotional crushing stimulates consistent obedience. Read the last part again, verse 20, brother. Verse 20. My soul hath them still in remembrance. And is humbled in me. See, that's the point right there. <laughs> that's the entire point. The memories of our broken estate serves to be a great motivator. Here it is. This brother is saying, I remember being broken and crushed with no strength, no control. He said, I still remember that till this day. And it keeps me humble. See, the most High understood what the result is of this brokenness. He understands what the result is, and it's your obedience for the rest of your natural life. For the rest of your natural life. You see that, brothers and sisters? Let's go to Isaiah 45 and 3. Look at this closely, please, brothers and sisters. Isaiah 45, verse 3. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness. The treasures of what? The treasures of darkness. So there is treasures in the darkness. And hidden riches of secret places. That thou mayest know that I, the Lord, 
which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Success that we have not been groomed for is like birthing a baby prematurely. Brothers and sisters, the chances of survival goes down the earlier the baby is exposed. So you have to go through this. When this time is is going, you know, while you're experiencing this time, which all of us have to go through this, brothers and sisters, and we go through it more than once. Joseph had to go through this, right? What happened to Joseph? Joseph is sold into slavery by his envious brothers, right? And then he has a sister lie on him and say he tried to sexually assault her. He's thrown in prison. So he goes from slavery to prison. This brother did nothing wrong. Why? <laughs> Why? Because the Most High needed to break him down before he made him second to Pharaoh. To keep him humble. To make sure he didn't follow the, the footsteps of his predecessors. Same thing over and over and over again. Brothers and sisters, before you get exalted, you have to go down. You have to go down first. Why did he do that? Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 3. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which called thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. See, so many people don't want to go through this process, brothers and sisters. They don't want everything have to be 60 second rice. Everything got to be microwave. No, we don't slow cook anymore, brothers and sisters. And the Bible tells you that to be exposed too soon is not a blessing. It's a curse. So for you, for us to want to not be in, the, not go through this, this phase, he's saying, you're not ready. <laughs> because why? I can't put you somewhere that your character can't keep you. Remember, brothers and sisters, back when I was young, they had, you know, they had to develop film in the dark, <laughs> right? Darkness gives you the opportunity for development, brothers and sisters. See, he's showing us every person that the Most High have called have to go through this. Before you can be utilized, you must first be broken. All of all of the prophets, all of the disciples, our forefathers, all throughout the Bible, brothers and sisters, they were not useful until they were broken, crushed, as Psalm said, broken-hearted, contrite, crushed spirit. It's part of the process, brothers and sisters. So if any of our brothers or sisters are dealing with this, right, it's not abnormal. <laughs> see, when I see a sister or a brother dealing with that, I when I see that, I'm like, okay, they about to they they about to go up. They get ready to go up as long as they don't resist. Because what happens? We start resisting and trying to control, and at that point, you just lengthen the time that you're down there, brothers and sisters. Now you're getting ready to lengthen it, and we're going to prove that also. Brothers and sisters. But when I see this, I understand this sister or this brother is getting ready to. Because after you come out of this being broken, you're going to operate on that faith for the rest of your life. And Lamentation shows us that. Let us go there. Let us go to Lamentations chapter 3, verse 32 through 37. What does that say, Brother Chris? Lamentations 3, verse 32. 
but though he caused grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercy. Though he caused grief, he'll be merciful. Verse 33. For he does not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 33. For he does not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men, to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth. To do what, brother? To crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth, to turn aside the right of a man before the face of the Most High. To sub- Look at this. He says he crushes the prisoners of the earth to do what? What did 35 say? Verse 35. To turn aside the right of a man before the face of the Most High. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Crushing is a technique utilized for what? For the redirection of souls. Read 34 again, brother, please. Lamentations 3, verse 34. To crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth. To turn aside the right of a man before the face of the Most High. To subvert a man in his cause. To do what? To subvert a man in his cause. The Lord approveth not. Look at that. He does this to subvert a man, to redirect a man who may not be operating in the way in which he needs. See? Because why? God has, the Most High has no use for an unbroken sister or brother, especially in ministry, brothers and sisters. He's saying, I have to break you all the way down. I got to start pulling everything you're using as a crutch, as a prop. Everything you're looking at other than me. He's saying, you're going you're gonna to have to depend on me. You're not going to be able to depend on any of this other stuff. And everything that you are dependent on, I'm pulling it away. So typically what he does, brothers and sisters, is he targets us. He looks right at us and he's saying, okay, what is it that they don't want to lose? What is it that they're unwilling to relinquish? I'm going right there. That's exactly where I'm going because I'm I'm supposed to be that thing. That's where I belong. And then he starts weakening our will. So in the future, after you 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 pick yourself up out of the dust, well, not pick yourself up because the Most High is merciful. But at that point, you'll always reflect back to when you were so low. So anything the Most High say do, you just do it. You don't think about it. You. You you just do it. Why? Because you remember when you were down there. We're going to show you, brothers and sisters. Because according to the text, the breaking process is used to reprogram us, brothers and sisters. I want to show you something. Let's go to Deuteronomy 8 and 2. Let's go to the Torah. Deuteronomy 8 and 2. What's that say, brother? Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. How long was it? These 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee. To do what? To humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Brothers and sisters, I need you to please examine the patience of the Most High in this breaking process. Could you read that again, brother? Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness. Forty years. To humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart. Now look at that. 
It took 40 years to humble us. It took 40 years to prove us. Do you see that? So according to the text, resistance lengthens the process. Brothers and sisters, do you see that? See? <laughs> because the, the, the Torah tell you that what? The journey was really less than, a, it was about seven or eight days, brothers and sisters. It was really, it should have took us less than two weeks to get there. <laughs> That's actually in the Bible. Here it was, it took us 40 years when really the travel should have really took 12, you know, just a few days, brothers and sisters. So what are we learning here? We're learning that the length of time is indicative of our refusal to be broken. We're reading it right here. The Most High walked us around in circles for 40 years. <laughs> because that's how long it took to humble us, to prove us. See? Now, what was going on on the other side of the wilderness? The blessing, right? The promised land, the inheritance. He's saying, let me break you before you go there. <laughs> Before I give you the blessing, before I elevate you, I have to break you. You see that, brothers and sisters? It's the same process over and over and over, no matter who you think you are. Everyone have to go through this process. Because why? You can't handle the blessing yet until I've broken you down and humbled you. Brothers and sisters, follow us to Psalms, the 31st chapter in the 10th verse. Because we showed in, in Deuteronomy 8 and 2 that the length of time will be, it will be, um, the length of time will be based on your willingness to be broken. Because a lot of times the Most High is trying to bring us low, but you're fighting against it every step of the way. You're trying to control it. So the Most High does this, and guess what? Each person's level of being broken or low is different. Because I know some brothers who the most high have... I would have been broken already. <laughs> I would have been broken already. But I know our people so stubborn, he have to put their, you know, put their face in the dust. Because they continue to resist. Don't resist this. Stop trying to control it and let him. Let go and let God, brothers and sisters. Let go and let God, because as long as you're trying to control it and go against it and resist it, Psalms 31 and 10. Psalms 31 verse 10. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of my iniquity and my bones are consumed. Look at that. Brothers and sisters, the text reveals an uninterrupted series of sorrows as a result of harbored iniquities. Could you read that again, brother? Verse 10. For my life is spent with grief. My life is spent with grief. And my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity. Because of what? Because of mine iniquity. That's the invisible sin. And my bones are consumed. So examine the frequency of the troubles being experienced as a result of the resistance. Brothers and sisters, do you see this? The psalmist teaches us the longer we resist, the longer the process endures. Brothers and sisters, so I really need our people to, to get this. I can't tell you how many brothers and sisters I know who continue to try to resist the process of being broken. Just trying to control it and, and make a shortcut here and do this here and do that there. See, you're resisting it. You're not letting the Most High 
you're not letting the Most High carry out this process. And as long as we do that, he take you lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. Brothers and sisters, the, the breaking process or this, the time of brokenness is just a stage in your life. But when you resist it, that becomes life itself. I know many people who are just living in the broken stage. It was supposed to be a stage, but now it has become their whole life. It's just being broken because they're resisting God. All of us, including me, brothers and sisters, have been completely and utterly crushed, broken. And I personally will never forget because I always think back on that for my future walk of where, how low I was, how the most high was snatching everything, everything. And my obedience because of it has continued to increase. Because why? It's easy now. It's easier now, brothers and sisters. My will, he weakened my will through being broken. Let's go to Job, brother. Follow us to Job, the ninth chapter, the fourth verse. Job 9, verse 4. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who hath hardened himself against him and hath prospered? Mm. <laughs> Do you see that, brothers and sisters? Because here, God warns us against being hard and unbroken. Could you read that again? Verse 4. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who hath hardened himself against him and hath prospered? See? So according to the text, success is never found in opposing God. Brothers and sisters. Never has there been a man to contend with the Most High and find prosperity. Never. So surely, if men harden their hearts, God will harden his hand. That's how it goes. Brothers and sisters. See, and I need our people to see this because they don't fully understand the Most High's ways. They're thinking, okay, well, why is all this going this way? I'm, I'm probably doing the right thing. A lot of times we are doing the right thing when this process begins. But because we're resisting and trying to control, now you're doing the wrong thing. And now I have to bring you lower. Now I have to snatch the car. Now I have to snatch the job. Now I have to snatch this and snatch that. It's just how it goes, brothers and sisters. See? Some people only need to go to a certain level to be completely broken. Some of us have to go down pretty much to hell, brothers and sisters. Some of us are easily broken, brothers and sisters, and that's a good thing. But some of us are stuck, stubborn, and obstinate. And those people have to be pretty much eating dust. They refuse. God cannot use an unbroken man or woman. He never has. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus in the Apographer, brother. Let's go to Sirach or Ecclesiasticus chapter 30, verse 8. Ecclesiasticus 30, verse 8. And horse not broken becometh headstrong, and a child left to himself will be willful. Read that again, brother, please. Verse 8. And horse not broken becometh headstrong. A horse what? A horse not broken becometh headstrong. Look at that. 
See, so the text proves that the principle of brokenness does not only apply to man. Brothers and sisters, read that one more time, please. Verse 8, And horse not broken becometh headstrong, and a child left to himself will be willful. See, so the author teaches that without being broken, being self-willed becomes customary. You see that, brothers and sisters? God cannot use an unbroken man or woman. And I, if you can't understand that, brothers and sisters, I have a book. I have a letter, brothers and sisters. Uh, the Willie Lynch letter. If you, uh, if you never heard of it, brothers and sisters, it was a, it was a letter that a, a, a white man named Willie Lynch wrote to slave masters brothers and sisters, on how to, how to control us, brothers and sisters, how to psychologically control us for another three to four hundred years. And I'm, I'm going to read a couple of the things in here because, brothers and sisters, they understood this breaking process. So if you don't understand God saying it, maybe you'll understand the white man saying it. It's called the Willie Lynch letter, brothers and sisters. And it was a psychologist, a a psychologist wrote a letter to all the slave masters in his area about how to control us for 300 years. I'm going to read it. It's called the Willie Lynch letter. Let's the making of a slave. Let's make a slave. Here it is, brothers and sisters. And I read. It says, both horse and Negro are no good to the economy in the wild or natural state. Both must be broken and tied together for orderly production. So here it was. He's saying these Negroes pretty much are just like horses. Until they're broken, you will not be able to use them. You will not be able to keep them in order. See? Now this is the white man saying this. This is the slave master saying this. I'm going to continue reading. Above all, you cannot get them to work in the natural state. Hence, both the horse and the Negro must be broken. That is, break them from one form of mental life to another. Keep the body, take the mind. See? So the white man understood this. He understood they needed to break us down in order for us to be good slaves or good servants. The Most High said, I have to break you down. In order for you to be a good servant. So the white man understand this process. And it's, in, it's written in their literature. I'm going to continue reading. Brothers and sisters. This, this is under. Um, it says cardinal principles for making a Negro. For the fear that our future generations may not understand the principles of breaking both horse and man. We lay down the art. <laughs> so he said, well, listen, I don't think, you know, our children will understand the breaking process and its importance. So we're going to line it out here for you and put it in some literature. You see this, brothers and sisters? I'm going to read up the last excerpt. It says the breaking process of the Negro woman. If she shows any signs of resistance in submitting completely to your will, do not hesitate to use the bull whip on her to extract all the last resistance out of her. See? 
if she saw, if she shows any sign of resistance in submitting completely to your will, do not hesitate to use the bull whip on her. This is the breaking process. It's called the breaking process of a Negro woman. See? So they understood this process, brothers and sisters. They understood this process. So if you don't understand why God is saying it, maybe you understand why the white man is saying it. Where do you think they got it from? They said, until these people are broken, we will not be able to trust them. We won't be able to sleep because they're too self-willed. God said, I have to break you down first. That way I can get some rest because right now I can't trust you. Read Ecclesiasticus 30 and 8, brother, please. Ecclesiasticus 30, verse 8. And horse not broken becometh headstrong, and a child left to himself will be willful. Showing you that what, brothers and sisters, the breaking process is what? To break your will. See? It's so you don't, so you're not self-willed. That's why I said a child left to himself will be willful, self-willed. See? So here it is. Ecclesiastes is talking about breaking in a horse and breaking in a child. And if you don't, they will customarily, they will routinely go against God. The white man understood this. The breaking process. Let's go to Psalms 32 and 9, brother. Psalms, the 32nd chapter, the 9th and 10th verses. What does that say, brother? Psalms 32, verse 9. Be ye not as the horse. As the what? As the horse, or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. It's telling you, don't make me have to put reins on you, like how... When a jockey is riding a horse, they got the reins all in his mouth where they almost have to snatch his whole jaw out to get him to steer or change direction. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 9. Be not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. So why is he saying this, brothers and sisters? Why? Because sheep are led and not driven. So obedience should not require compulsory force. He's saying, if you're sheep, you let me lead you. If I have to force you, you're not my sheep, and I'm not your shepherd. Because sheep are led, not driven. Continue, brother. Verse 10. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. Why? But he that trusteth in the Lord Mercy shall compass him about. See, so if we yield to the breaking process, it'll be easier on us than if God has to force his breaking upon us. Brothers and sisters, we have to be broken or else we'll be too strong-willed. Brothers and sisters, so God breaks us in order to bless us. See, now you're understanding the ways of God. Now you understand why he does certain things. That's what leadership takes, brothers and sisters. Leadership or leaders understand his ways. The people who are being led only understand his acts. So this is the step for all of you to take, brothers and sisters. 
if you've been in the truth for some years, you got, you know, the, the laws down and different things. Now you have to start understanding his ways. That's part of walking in the light, brothers and sisters. And I, I promise you, you will not go to another level if you have not been broken. You will not. You'll stay the same. I know brothers been in the truth five, six years, have not grown a lick. Why? Because they haven't been broken. See? Let's go to Genesis, brother. Because we got to talk about Israel's Israel being self-willed. We're going to Genesis, the 32nd chapter, the 24th verse. This is when Jacob, our father, wrestled with an angel. Genesis 32, verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. So Jacob began to wrestle who we know was an angel. Verse 25. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now look at this, brothers and sisters. According to the text, the angel afflicted Jacob with a debilitating injury because he wouldn't stop wrestling. Continue. Verse 26. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. Now, brothers and sisters, understand he knew the answer to what his name was. He wanted Jacob to confess not just his name, but his character. You have to remember that name, it, 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 um, a name in Hebrew was pretty much a description, brothers and sisters. And Jacob's name meant supplanter or possibly deceiver, brothers and sisters. See? Trickster. Do you understand that, brothers and sisters? So here it was. The angel made him say who he was. Why? Because until we admit the truth about our condition, we will remain as we are. That's what he was showing here. Read 27 one more time, brother. Genesis 32, verse 27. And he said unto him. What did he say? What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and has prevailed. And what? And has prevailed. Now look at this, brothers and sisters. <laughs> That's the paradox of life. Why is it saying that Jacob prevailed when he just got his hip dislocated? <laughs> Read that one more time, brother. Verse 28. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and has prevailed. And has prevailed. So, brothers and sisters, that's the paradox of life. When we wrestle with God, we always lose. But when we surrender, we win. See, when he surrendered, that's why he said you've, been, you've prevailed. You see that? And he received the blessing based on his willingness to surrender. Did you see after he stopped wrestling, his name was changed? <laughs> You see that, brothers and sisters? I need you to think closely about that. Because when Jacob's natural strength was broken, the Most High was able to clothe them with spiritual power. And that's why he changed his name to Israel, which is a prince of God. See? After the wrestling. But don't forget what had to happen. Let's jump back up, brother. 
Let's go back to verse 25. Uh, let's start at 24. Genesis 32, verse 24. Because this shows how self-willed we are. Especially the children of Israel. That's why he left this particular story in the literature. So you could see how self-willed, when we have our mind made up, how stubborn we can be. Verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. Because he kept wrestling, he had to dislocate his hip. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now look at this. He's showing you, I've broken him, I've hurt him, and he's still wrestling me. <laughs> look at this, brothers and sisters. God wanted to show Jacob, he wanted to show Jacob the power of his self-will. I hope Israelites are reading this. He's resisting still after he's been broken. Verse 26, and he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. He said, I'm not letting you go unless you bless me. Verse 27, and he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and has prevailed. Now, brothers and sisters, understand that he got the blessing based on his willingness to relinquish, or his willingness to stop wrestling. <laughs> Do you understand that? He didn't get the, he didn't get the blessing until he, you know, he, he acquiesced and say, okay, I'm a, I'm a let, I'm a let go and let God. Okay. Now let me bless you. Your name's Israel. As long as you wrestle, if you continue to tussle, you stay Jacob. You continue to be who you are. After you allow me to do, you know, my work, as the Father is saying, the Most High is saying, now the blessing comes. The blessing doesn't come before you're broken until you stop wrestling with me. Okay? Jump to verse 31, brother, because I want our brothers and sisters to know something. Genesis 32, verse 31. And as he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. He did what? And he halted upon his thigh. Look at this, brothers and sisters. It's telling you that he walked with a limp. And guess what? He walked with a staff, a cane, and he used that staff for the remaining of his life, brothers and sisters. See? So the Most High had this done on purpose, dislocating his hip to where he couldn't even... He couldn't walk good. Now imagine being a young man, brothers and sisters. Imagine being 20, 30, and have to walk with a cane everywhere you go. Imagine that. You think that would be a little humiliating? You being 22, 32, walking around with a cane? <laughs> See, the most I did this strategically. Keep him humble. Keep him dependent. See? Now, those who know the rest of the, the next chapter, this is right before he was going to meet Esau, the brother that was trying to kill him. So the Most High dislocated his hip as he's going to meet the brother that's looking to take his life. <laughs> you see? So he said, well, listen, I'm going to take you out. You know, I'm going to break you down. 
You're going to limp and walk with the cane. And now you're going to go see your brother who's looking to kill you. So if he wasn't dependent on God before, he definitely was at that point. You see? Let us prove to you that he walked with a staff for the rest of his life. Let's go to Hebrews 11 and 21, brother. Let's go to the New Testament. Follows, brothers and sisters, to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the 21st verse. Why? Because we needed to prove to you that after his hip was dislocated, he that affected how he walked for the rest of his life. Hebrews 11, verse 21. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying. Now look at this, where at the end of his life, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped. Leaning upon the top of his staff. Look at that. See? So until God breaks us so that we walk with the limp, we have a tendency to be self-dependent. He has to break us to take away our false sense of dignity. Here he was. He, he took away Jacob's dignity. When Jacob limped away from Jabbok, his staff was representative of his flaws, his weakness. See? So there is purpose in his staff. It was the reminder that he is forever dependent upon God, brothers and sisters. He walked with the staff to always remind him of when he was broken for the rest of his life, brothers and sisters. Same thing will happen to us. But understand the blessing only came once he let go. Once he let go of the angel, now he was blessed so once you let go and let God, as long as you continue to wrestle, you're not getting blessed, period. You don't wrestle with God and then be blessed for it. <laughs> okay? Let's go to Ecclesiasticus, brother. Chapter 1, verse 30. Going to the Apocrypha. Today's lesson, brothers and sisters, is strength is found in weakness. And I think we're, we're learning why right now. Strength is found in weakness. Ecclesiasticus 1 verse 30. Exalt not thyself, lest thou fall, and bring dishonor upon thy soul. And so God discovered thy secrets, and cast thee down in the midst of the congregation. Cast him down where? In the midst of the congregation. Cast him down where, brother? In the midst of the congregation. Look at that. That's, that means publicly, brothers and sisters. So what you're learning is that the breaking process is never private. It's never private, brothers and sisters. Why? Because it's following the humiliation of brokenness that God exalts us during the proper time. The breaking process is always so other people can see. Because that's part of it, brothers and sisters. That's part of it. Why? For the shame, the shame part, brothers and sisters. It has to be. Why? Because once you're broken down, brothers and sisters, publicly, you don't care what nobody thinks. <laughs> you're not thinking about, well, how they think about me. And when you're really broken, you don't, you don't even think like that anymore, brothers and sisters. You don't care if people think you're cool or they think it's going to be funny. Why? Because I've been broken down, man. I don't care what you think. I'm not trying to impress you. See, so it's always public. Why? Because if it's private, you may start taking it out on people in private. Read that one more time, please, brother. Ecclesiasticus 
1, verse 30. Exalt not thyself, lest thou fall, and bring dishonor upon thy soul. And so God discovered thy secrets, and cast thee down in the midst of the congregation. In the midst of the congregation. Because thou camest not in truth to fear the Lord. It brings in the fear of the Most High. But thy heart is full of deceit. And we know that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. So he's saying, I'm doing this to instill that fear in you. So according to the text here, as long as we try to cover the shame, we haven't been broken. Because once you're broken, you don't care who sees. You see that, brothers and sisters? As long as we try and resist the matter by concealing it, the process continues. See? Because why? Why are you concealing? <laughs> We're going to show you why. Let's go to Jeremiah 3 and 3, brothers and sisters. Jeremiah, the third chapter in the third verse. What does that say, brother? Jeremiah 3, verse 3. Therefore, the showers have been withholding. The rain has been withholding. And there hath been a no latter rain. And thou hast a whore's forehead. And what, brother? And thou hast a whore's, and thou hast a whore's forehead. And thou refusest to be ashamed. Thou refuse to what? Thou refuseth to be ashamed. Look at that. According to the prophet, the lack of shame results in a lack of rain, which is blessings. Brothers and sisters. Without shame, you can't be fruitful. Like without rain, you cannot be fruitful, brothers and sisters. Do you see this? We, can, we cannot have shame if we're trying to conceal the truth. You're trying to hide it so you're not ashamed. <laughs> Showing that you, you haven't been broken. Read it again, please, brother. Jeremiah 3, verse 3. Therefore the showers have been withholding. And there hath been no latter rain, and thou hast a whore's forehead, thou refusest to be ashamed. Thou refuse to be ashamed. So the concealment is the evidence that we haven't been fully broken yet, brothers and sisters. Anybody who, who has been broken, they know that there's a freedom we receive in being broken. If you're truly broken, you don't care who sees, there's a certain freedom. After you've been broken and you, you come back, you're not worried about anything. You know, whatever God say, that's what it is. You don't have to think about it. You don't need to ponder what he's telling you. You just do. Right? So he's telling you. It's like a whore's forehead who refuses to be ashamed. So what he's doing, brothers and sisters, is always going to be public. Always, mine was. Every person that has fully, truly been broken is public for other people to see. Because that's part of it. He said the shame caused a brother or sister to seek him. See? Let's go to Ecclesiasticus, brother, chapter 4, verse 21. Ecclesiasticus 4, verse 21. For there is a shame that bringeth sin, and there is a shame which is glory and grace. See, there is a shame that bringeth sin. What is that hiding? What did what did Adam and Eve do after they sinned, brothers and sisters? They hid from the Most High, and we know that hiding is our go-to 
coping skill to guard ourselves against vulnerability, giving evidence to the resistance. The lack of transparency gives evidence of the pride, proving that the process must continue. <laughs> the hiding it is, is the pride. See? Read it one more time, though, brother. Verse 21. For there is a shame that bringeth sin. That's the shame that bringeth sin, that you can't come before the Most High. Now you conceal the truth. And there is a shame which is glory and grace. There's a shame that brings glory and grace. Do you see that, brothers and sisters? If you use that shame properly, if you channel it properly, then what? You become obedient. You know how merciful the Most High is. You become honest. See? You trying to conceal and all this stuff, you're still trying to control it. You're still trying to control the narrative. See? So he's saying, no, you need to be open. I'm going to do this in front of people, and I'm not going to let you conceal it. Because that's part of the process. That's part of the process. When they was, you know, during slavery times, when some the young men wasn't, you know, wasn't operating the way they thought, what they would do is they would bring the strongest Negro in front of them, tie his arms, tie his arms to one horse, and tie his legs to another horse, and send them in opposite directions, publicly, for everyone else to see, publicly. Why? So you get in order. <laughs> After that, you're like, oh, no, oh, no. It was public. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, brother, chapter 12, to show you Paul dealt with this. Paul had to be broken down before he was utilized. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. Excuse me, let's go to 2 Corinthians 12 and 7. Salakini. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. He's saying, unless I, you know, people start praising me because, I, you know, I know the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. There was what? There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So there was some type of ailment that Paul was dealing with, brothers and sisters. He said, a thorn in my flesh. There is no literature that I've come across to say exactly what it was. But we believe, I've read literature that say they thought it may have been Tourette's or something like that. But it was, it was something that could be seen. Because it was to keep him humble. That he had whatever this ailment was, brothers and sisters, and it was public. And other people could see it. He said, lest I should be exalted above measure. So this kept him humble. Continue, brother. Verse 8. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. He prayed to God three times. That it might depart from me. That he would take it away, brothers and sisters. So God targeted his pride, his self-sufficiency, that which would keep him from being a good servant. Do you see? Verse 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Mm, what did he say, brother? My grace is sufficient for thee. He said, I've done enough for you, Paul. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. For what? For my strength is made perfect in weakness. For what, brother? For my strength is made perfect in weakness. For God's strength is made perfect in weakness. 
See, he's going to have to weaken your will. Brokenness is God's requirement for maximum usefulness. He said, listen, I can't do anything with your strength. In order for me to show my strength, you must be weak. Showing you the contrast in kingdoms. According to this text, brothers and sisters, strength is found in weakness. Read 9 one more time, brother. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said, I glory in being brought low. Continue. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in the burdens. In reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Why? For when I am weak, then am I strong. Look at that. <laughs> he said, for when I'm weak, that's when I actually become strong. See that, brothers and sisters? So, you know... Our people have to start actually reading the Bible to learn the ways of God. Paul is saying, when I'm weak, is actually when I become strong. Strength is found in weakness, according to God, brothers and sisters. So you have to be brought low. You must be brought weak and broken down in order for God to make you strong, brothers and sisters. See that? Brokenness is God's way of dealing with our proclivity to act independently of God after you're broken down that will always be in your mind and you will acquiesce you will never be insubordinate for the rest of your natural life and the most high knows this that's why he did that for Joseph right as we said before Joseph was sold into slavery and then thrown in prison he did nothing wrong he did nothing wrong. Paul, remember, Paul was blinded for three days. Remember that? Before his, his ministry even started. <laughs> Where now he had to, he was crawling on the ground. Another brother had to feed him, clothe him, wash him. God was bringing him all the way down. Right? Remember Peter, brothers and sisters. Peter had to be humbled many times, brothers and sisters. Go read it again. Go read it again, brothers and sisters, because remember Peter, who was, you know, so to speak, a tougher guy. He had Peter come out on water, right? So this guy who believes he's tough, he starts sinking. He starts begging and pleading for Christ in front of all the others. He's crying. He's whimpering before all the others. What else did he do? He called Peter Satan to his face. Before everyone else, before other people. Call him Satan to his face. You think that may have been, you know, a little humiliating? That this brother that you've left your job to follow didn't say you're acting like Satan. He called him Satan to his face. Right? And then what was the final time? It's when he did what, brothers and sisters? When he denied Christ three times. That broke him all the way down to where Christ had to go back to him and allow him to restore the pledge. After he had denied Christ three times, he stopped teaching a word. He went back to being a fisherman. Brothers and sisters. See? And then Christ said what? Christ said, this is the brother I'm going to build my church on. Why? Because he'd been totally dejected and broken. 
So now I know he's going to be obedient to me unto death. That's how it works, brothers and sisters. Okay? Let's go to Isaiah 40 and 29, brother. Isaiah, the 40th chapter, the 29th verse. And what does that say, brother? Isaiah 40, verse 29. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Look at that. According to the text, God cannot do anything with your strength, brothers and sisters. Who does he give power to? Let's read it again. Verse 29. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. See, so the Most High only elevates those cognizant of their limitations, brothers and sisters. He comes to us in our brokenness in the shipwreck of our lives, in the loss of all possible peace of the mind. He give power to those who are faint, to those who have no strength. As long as you still have strength to be self-willed, you're on your own. <laughs> See, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to take your strength, your self-will, to where you had Jacob wrestling an angel, something terrestrial, extraterrestrial, for an entire day. He had his hip dislocated. He still is wrestling. Showing you our self-will. Same thing the white man understood when he wrote the Willie, the Willie Lynch letter. How to make a slave or the making of a slave. How over and over and over he said we have to break these, these, these Negroes. Because they're no good for service until they're broken. So we have to break them. We have to break their will. They understood the process. Hopefully you do now. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus, brother. In the Apocrypha. We're going to Ecclesiasticus, the second chapter, the first through the sixth verse. Ecclesiasticus 2, verse 1. My son, if thou come to serve the Lord... Prepare thy soul for temptation. Now, this is the beginning of the walk. How do we know? Read that one more time. Verse 1. My son, if thou come to serve the Lord. If you're coming to serve him. Prepare thy soul for temptation. What type of temptation? Continue. Verse 2. Set thy heart aright and constantly endure and make not haste in time of trouble. And what, brother? And make not haste in time of trouble. He's saying, listen, don't be tempted to run away. He's saying, listen, you're going to have to constantly endure and don't make haste in the time of trouble. Don't run away. Because that's what happens. Something go wrong, you know, in a person who's now following the law and they run back to Satan. They're like, well, I mean, if I'm going to have to go through this, I could at least be sinning to do it. He said, you have to constantly endure, make not haste in trouble. So he's telling you there's going to be trouble. <laughs> now, the first scripture tells us this is in the beginning. Because it says, if you're coming to serve him, prepare your soul to be tempted. What's the temptation? That I'm going to break you down and you're going to be tempted to run away. See? Continue, brother. Ecclesiasticus 2, verse 3. Cleave unto him and depart not away that thou mayest be increased at thy last end. See, so look at this, brothers and sisters. Look at this. The awakening process all boils down to this surrender. He said, when this happens, cleave to me. Don't run away. 
and you'll be increased. You'll be multiplied in the end. Why? Because you have to be broken to be multiplied. The only way. Continue, brother. Verse 4. Whatsoever is brought upon thee, take cheerfully, and be patient when thou art changed to a low estate. And do what, brother? And be patient when thou art changed to a low estate. It didn't say if, brothers and sisters. Read it one more time. Verse 4. Whatsoever is brought upon thee, take cheerfully, and be patient when thou art changed to a low estate. Look at that. When, not if. You will be changed to a low estate if you come in to serve me. Do you see that, brothers and sisters? Do you see that? He didn't say, take it cheerfully and be patient if you're changed to a low estate. He said, when. So when you come, I'm going to break you down first. Continue, brother. Verse 5. For gold is tried in the fire, and acceptable men in the furnace of adversity. See? So brokenness is the path to blessing, brothers and sisters. Do you see? Brokenness is the path. He said, be patient when you're changed to a lower state because you will be changed. Because I'm only going to be able to use you after I've broken you. See? He said, a, bro uh, a horse unbroken. <laughs> right? A horse unbroken becomes self-willed. See? So why is he breaking me down? Why is he breaking us down? He's breaking you down for the future. So he can get some future use out of you. Because going forward, what happens is, brothers and sisters, people, when they, they're clear on what God wants from them, they'll decide to do it or not to do it. Well, maybe I won't do that. I'll just not eat pork and that stuff. But this particular thing, I'm not willing to give up. And see, the fact that you're even thinking about what God is saying, there's nothing to think. They used to tell us, you know, my mom used to say, we don't pay you to think. Do what I said. <laughs> Same thing with the most high. They, he doesn't need you to think. This is what he said, do. You're clear of it. Do it. The fact that you have to think about it means you haven't been broken. So here comes the belt again. <laughs> so we're just showing you, brothers and sisters. We're showing you something. Let's go to Proverbs 20 and 30. Strength is found where? In weakness, brothers and sisters. Oh, we're at Proverbs, the 20th chapter, the 30th verse. What's that say, brother? Proverbs 20, verse 30. The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil. Read that again, brother. The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil. When does, when you keep punching something or hitting something, it turns blue and black, right, brothers and sisters? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 30. The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil. What does it cleanse? Cleanseth away evil. So do stripes the inward parts of the belly. So according to the author, pain has the ability to cleanse us. Brothers and sisters. Why don't you touch fire? Exactly because it hurts. <laughs> See, so once you've been broken, obedience comes easy. Once you've been broken, the value you place on your own opinion is diminished greatly. And he knows this. You think your opinion matters to him, and it doesn't. The Most High is in no position to transform himself into what you agree with. He knows this. He knows that the blueness of a wound can cleanse away evil. See? 
Let's go to 2 Corinthians, brother. 11 and 24. Because we're showing you that he has to break you down before he can build you up. He can't take you straight to the top when you come to serve him. Why? Because you haven't, you haven't earned it. <laughs> okay? You haven't earned it. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 11 and 24. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 24. Now this is Paul. Listen to what he had to endure. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. So he was beaten with thirty-nine stripes. Verse 25. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. So he had three times he was shipwrecked, brothers and sisters. Verse 26. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Brothers and sisters, this man had trouble everywhere he went. <laughs> he had trouble from his own people. He had trouble from the Gentiles. He had trouble in the city, trouble in the wilderness, trouble on the sea. <laughs> Look at this, brothers and sisters. This was Paul. <laughs> God breaks us in order to remake us into what he wants us to be. Paul is showing he had to be broken. Verse 27, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, who is weak, and I am not weak, who is offended, and I burn not, if I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmity. See? Now this was Paul, the brother who wrote the majority of the Bible. Brothers and sisters. You see how the most had to break him down? See? Why? Because God is more committed to making us holy than making us happy. Brothers and sisters, God has no use for an unbroken man or woman. We may not like to admit it, but our crushing is necessary in order for our potential to be fulfilled. The Most High God prunes every branch so it bears more fruit. Brothers and sisters, how else can you get the oil out of the olive? How else can you get the wine out of grape? There's only there's a lot of us just want to stay grapes. <laughs> but listen, grapes are best when they're crushed. Grapes are strongest when they're crushed. They have more value when they're crushed. Just like you and I, brothers and sisters. Strength is found in weakness, brothers and sisters. He said he is close to the brokenhearted, the contrite, or the crushed. So yes, he wants you to be crushed, brothers and sisters. And if a brother or sister have not been crushed, but they're on this walk, then that means it's still ahead of you. It is coming. Because now, now you can be trusted. You cannot be trusted without going through this, brothers and sisters. And we're showing you that in order to multiply, in order to be blessed, you must first die or be broken. 
like John said. Let's go to Joel, brother. 2 and 13. We're almost done, brothers and sisters. <clears throat> Joel 2 verse 13. And rend your heart and not your garments. And turn unto the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. And repenteth him of the evil. It says rend your heart, not your garments. When usually something happens, somebody died, they would tear their garments apart, brothers and sisters, as a, as a sign of sorrow and mourning. He's saying, tear your heart apart, not your garments. See, brothers and sisters, the Most High will be gracious and merciful. He's slow to anger. See? Rend your heart and not your garments, brothers and sisters. See? So he's saying, don't appear to be sorrowful, actually be sorrowful. Let's go to Philippians, brother. 3 and 7. Follow us, please, brothers and sisters. Philippians, the third chapter, the seventh through the ninth verse. Philippians 3, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Now look at this, because here Paul eloquently speaks about gain and loss in order to gain you must lose. It's called the pruning process. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yeah, doubtless. And I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. He's saying when you're in this in this path, you have to be willing to lose everything. He said, I am willing to lose it because I have Christ. I have the truth. I'm willing to lose it all. Verse 9. Lastly, read verse 8 one more time, brother, please. Philippians 3, verse 8. Yeah, doubtless. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Continue, brother. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness. Not what? Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Brothers and sisters, brokenness is the shattering of our self-will. The absolute surrender of our will to the will of God, brothers and sisters. True brokenness is a lifestyle with no resistance to submission. Do you see that? The moments of your greatest anguish, you often find unexpected blessings commingled with your losses, brothers and sisters. And this is what the author was telling us here. This is what the author was telling us. He's saying... All the things that I thought made me happy, all the things that I thought made me special, I can count that loss under Christ. I count it as dung. I'm willing to lose it. I'm willing to lose it all. Do you see this, brothers and sisters? We're just showing you. This is the process. In order to be used, now understand who this is. This is the one of the authors of the Bible. 
So one of the authors of the Bible is saying, I have to at least be willing to lose it all. See? Now, whether the most I take it all is another thing. But if you're not willing, you're not ready. He said, I count them but dung that I may win Christ. If he have to take certain things from me in order for me to, you know, get where he needs me to be, then, hey, so be it. So be it. We all have to go through this process. I went through this process, brothers and sisters. I went through this process. And I went very, very, very low. <laughs> but, you know, for the next decade, decade plus, I've tried to be as obedient as possible. Whether I agree with what God is saying, doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter what I agree with. I'm a servant, <laughs> just like you. And that is the mark of being broken, brothers and sisters. When you've been broken, the way you think, everything that you think is different. It's just like a sister who's in an abusive relationship. That abusive relationship changed how she thinks for the rest of her life. Same way when you've been utterly broken, it changes how you think about yourself. It changes how you think about your opinion. You know you have no value. The only value you have is being a servant to God. We're nothing special, brothers and sisters. He said, I can raise up stones to be the sons and daughters of Abraham. He doesn't need us, brothers and sisters. And the sooner that we get that through our mind, then we understand how much higher God is than us. But we think too highly of ourselves. We think too highly of our opinion. We think that what we want to do is always right. And he's saying, I'm going to break you down. I'm going to break that up out of here. And guess what? It's only natural to it's only natural to feel those ways, brothers and sisters. To feel like I'm right. If I didn't think I was right, why would I say it? I would have said something else. <laughs> See? Of course I want it my way. It's natural. It's part of that evil heart that came with the sin of Adam. So we all have it, brothers and sisters. He knows it's there. And he's going to have to take it out. Brothers and sisters, follow us to 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter, in the 17th verse. This was when Samuel was speaking to Saul. 1 Samuel 15, verse 17. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight. When what, brother? When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. So he told Saul, when you felt that you were unimportant, that's when I made you the top. That's when I made you the most powerful man in Israel. So when we're broken, our opinion matters less than the directors. See? When you're broken, our self-importance has diminished greatly. He had to do the same thing with Moses. Moses was looking to lead our people the way he wanted to. It told you he killed an Egyptian with one blow. He was powerful. He was strong. And what happened? He had to go hide for 40 years. Right? He had to live with his father-in-law for 40 years. If you don't think that broke him down, imagine living with your father-in-law or your mother-in-law for 40 years. 
When he came back, the Most High said, I mean, he didn't even want to do it, brothers and sisters. When he came back, he said, I'm not eloquent. I can't speak and, and all that. <laughs> See, he had been utterly broken. Now you can be trusted, Moses. Before, you, you, you couldn't be trusted. You couldn't be trusted. You was already showing your will that you was willing to kill an Egyptian. Now, just imagine he go around killing Egyptians one by one. How long would that have taken to Prius? So the Mosai had to break him down and then bring him back. Read 17 again, please, brother. First Samuel 15, verse 17. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? See, so you have to be little in your own eyes. See, that's humility. That's meekness. What you think doesn't matter. And that's the truth. And when you think like that, that's when you're elevated. That is when you're elevated and not before. Because before then, you can't be trusted. That means you only do what you agree with. And the Most High is in no position to, you know, <laughs> to want to hear with what you agree with. See? That's not obedience. Selective obedience is not obedience, brothers and sisters. It's sin. So, yeah, I stopped eating pork. I stopped, you know, spending money on Saturday. But the, the other things he's saying, do I'm, I'm not willing to do. Okay, so you're willing to do the things that were easy for you. <laughs> See? Let's go to first, I mean, not first Psalms. Let's go to Psalms 119, brother. Psalms. Chapter 119, verse 58 through 60. What's that saying, brother? Psalms 119, verse 58. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. With what? With my whole heart. See, that particular text expresses great earnestness and humility and supplication. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 58. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. With my whole heart means with sincere, undivided affections. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. Now look at that, brothers and sisters. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. Why? Because we cannot demand God's favor as a debt, but as humble supplicants. Verse 59. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. See, so look at that, brothers and sisters. He acted at once under his conviction. As soon as he was sensible of his duty, he immediately complied with it. Read that one more time, please. Verse 60. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. Delayed not. He said, I was in a hurry to do what he said. I did not delay at all to keep his commandments. So promptitude in duty is evidence of our past brokenness. See, that's that's what happens when you've been broken. <laughs> that's exactly what happens when you've been broken. Because nothing, nothing can be worse than that time of brokenness. If I can make it through that time when I was broken, I can make it through everything else. I'm going to be obedient through everything else. If I didn't stop following him then, I never will. And he knows this, brothers and sisters. 
We're going to end it here. Job 13 and 15. Please follow us there. Strength is found in weakness. Job 13 verse 15. Though he slay me. Though what? Though he slay me. Though what? Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain my own ways before him. Examine this beautiful declaration of allegiance to God. He said, though what, brother? Verse 15. Though he slay me. Though he's hurting me. Though he's breaking me low. Though he's chastising and correcting me. Yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain my own ways before him. Now look at that. Anyone who's been deeply broken recognizes this moment in their journey. Brothers and sisters. <laughs> when you like, it does hurt, but I, I mean, I don't have nowhere else to go. The only thing I can do is trust him. He, there's no other way out. He's pulled everything away from me that could help me. He's pulled away. See, when I see that, I know that's the most high. He's starting to pull away everything or everyone that we hope that we use as a crutch, as a prop. He said, nah, I'm not going to let no one help you. You're going to have to come to me. See, when that even the people that usually help you can't help you. <laughs> That's the most high, brothers and sisters. We're showing you that adversity, trials and suffering are God's greatest tools for maturing us spiritually, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, our lesson today was strength is found in weakness. We wanted to show that there's a contrast in kingdoms. Our current administration, the, the current kingdom rather, versus the kingdom to come, brothers and sisters. And everything is upside down. In Christ's kingdom, the quickest way up is down. In Christ's kingdom, Strength is found in weakness, brothers and sisters. So what did we do? We showed you one of the core principles why we learned the ways of God today. We already knew his acts. Now we learn the ways why he does certain things. Why? Brothers and sisters, I encourage you all to document the scriptures. Listen to it again, brothers and sisters. Take your time and then ask yourself, Am I fighting against God? Am I wrestling against God? Am I resisting him bringing me low? Am I still trying to control and, and change things? Or am I letting go and letting God? If you are fighting, if you are wrestling like Jacob, I encourage you, I beseech you, brethren, stop. Because I fear that our people are so stubborn, they won't stop until they're in the ground. Literally. I pray that our people don't have to be broken down to the ground to actually allow the Most High to, to, you know, to fix us. Allow this breaking process to be easy. So it doesn't have to go any further. Why? Because this breaking process, or it's, it's supposed to be a stage. But it becomes a person's entire life. The last 10 years for a brother has been just a breaking process. Why? Because he's been fighting it the whole time. Now it's 15 years. Now it's 20 years. God is saying, I've been trying to break you for 10 years. I've been trying to break you for 5 years. And you're still fighting against me. 
Today's lesson, strength is found in weakness. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.